basis for this church in 2020. If you're a visitor, this is a great opportunity to understand something of who we are as a church and where we're going together as a people. It's 2020. Remember when, I mean, when I was a kid and I was watching, I remember watching movies when I was younger and there were the movies about the future, you know? And in 2020 was always the year that they would show you, right? And the cars could fly, right? Do you remember that? And there were hoverboards and there were robots everywhere. People used to shoot each other with laser guns. Well, we're in it. It comes quickly, hey? And we get to play our moment in what God is doing in this moment in history. This is a vision talk. What is our church's vision for 2020 in South Penn? Uh, The church has a vision statement. We've got a purpose statement. It's to fill the city with the message, life, and fame of Jesus. That's why we exist as common grinders, to fill the city with the message, the life, and the fame of Jesus. It was seven years ago, I think um, in about four weeks' time, that there were 50 uh, members of the Constantiaburg Common Ground Congregation who used to jump in a car and travel over the mountain, hey, to get to church. I mean, that is... You've got to check your passport to go over the mountain to go to church, eh? There were 50 members in Common Ground, Constantiaburg, who lived in the South Peninsula of Cape Town and who drove over the mountain to Constantiaburg. And the vision was if we can just get 50, two life groups that are flourishing, we could launch a congregation in South Penn. Seven years ago, those 50 people came together in those life groups and gave birth to us. Why? Because we exist to fill the city, the South Peninsula, with the message, life, and fame of Jesus. That's our vision for the message. 2020, I want to change tack a little bit to say, no, no, that's not going anywhere. We will always have a vision for the message. But we felt impressed by God in our hearts across the city in different congregations. And certainly for us as an eldership team, to, to, to answer the question, well, we've got a vision for the message. But what is the vision for the messengers? What is the vision for the messengers? I want to speak to this today. We want to see more than ever maturity come to us as messengers. I'm speaking to each of us as Christ followers. We're the messengers. The greatest billboard to the message of Jesus is messengers whose lives are filled with Christ, who are transformed, and who are showing and representing him to the world around us. I want to speak to you about how we're going to see that happen in Common Ground, South Penn, in 2020. I want to read to you a scripture that's very special. We're really going to look at uh, one part of the scripture here. It's a special scripture to me because, well, it was the life verse of my first pastor. Dave Templeton, who went to be with the Lord two years ago in East London, was um, 63 years old, 62 years old, when he sat me down in his office. I was 21 or 22, and he said to me, Luke, I want you to open your Bible to Colossians 1, verse 28 and 29. I did. And he opened it up to me. I was a young guy starting out in ministry. And he said to me, and he he made me read it, and I read it out loud. And he said to me, Luke, this is my life's verse. This is what I'm spending my life doing. 
And two years ago, he went to be with Christ. And I can say to you today, this is what he did with his life. And he did this for me. And so uh, let's read together from Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And let's see if we can get a vision for what Christ wants for us. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. This is where he really honed in. He said that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. His life verse, the goal of Dave's life was that we may present everyone complete or mature in Christ. I'd love to pray for us today as we launch. Heavenly Father, would you come and speak to us today? This is your word, Father God. You've given us a vision for what it is you want for our lives, but we ask that you would come and speak to us, each of us personally today, Lord. Show us of what it is on your heart for this year for us as a church, for us as Christ follows within this church. Lead us, we pray. Ask us in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm not doing a normal exposition of the scripture like I normally would, and next week we begin our journey in the book of Mark. We will do that. As I said, I'm wearing a bit of a leader's hat today, but I want to speak to this bit of the scripture here, to present everyone mature in Christ, and how that's going to unfold in us as a common ground South Penn. The meaning of uh, mature in Christ is that, um, that, that the goal for your life and my life as Christ followers is in order that Christ would be formed within us, that you and I, in our different personalities, full of different personalities in this hall right now, not all the same personality, the goal is not uniformity that everyone becomes exactly the same, but the goal is that through your and my different personalities, the same character and nature of Christ, like, like we would become like Christ in nature within and like Christ in lifestyle without. Each different personality in our uniqueness, the way God created us to be, we become more like that day by day as we grow towards maturity in Christ. The word maturity here is the Greek word teleon. James, did I get that right? Where's my Greek conscience here? There he is. James is studying his third year at GWC this year as he's tackling the Greek language. And we're excited to have him preach with us in about four weeks' time as well. He leads our frequency. He's, a, he's my little Greek helper. He's a, lot, he's a lot more than that, my little Greek helper. The Greek word teleon means complete or mature. It can mean complete, to present everyone complete. But the picture is that God has got a vision for your life. God has got a vision for who you're becoming and that your life and my life is on a trajectory to become someone. There is a complete you. There is the you that God created you to be, the me that I want to be uh, in God's eyes. And, and your life is moving towards that. And, and what, it, what it looks like is to become more and more like Christ in character, and in, in, and in nature and in lifestyle as you move towards this completeness. Does that make sense? The Bible's vision for your life is that the character of Christ be formed in, you, in your personality. And we, have, we as a church, as leaders, have shaped this year as best we can. We've built a calendar. We've planned events. We've chosen series with the emphasis of how do we help Christ to be formed in the lives of Christ followers in this community. It's our highest goal. It's the big thing we're chasing. It's our vision for the messengers who carry this message to the world. It's what does it look like to see Christ formed within us and Christ formed in our lives? And so we're going to look at five suitcases today, five big rocks that we're going to build around uh, this year. We're going to go deeper in discipleship. 
closer in community, wider in diversity, more hungry for the Holy Spirit, and more serving of our surrounds. I mean, come on, you've got to love the alliteration there. That was a couple of hours of hard work. Uh, <laughs> deeper in discipleship, closer in community, right? Wider in diversity. We're going hungrier for the Holy Spirit and more serving of our surroundings. Now, you'll notice there that there's nothing new and sexy about that. And in a people whose, I think, our lives have been coached and discipled towards novelty and fads, we're saying, no, there are ancient things that have formed God's people for decades and centuries and millennia. We are an ancient people. We might have a contemporary face, yes, but we're an ancient people, and we're about the ancient things of God, and it's these things that, that see Christ formed in us. So how do we do this? Let's go deeper in discipleship. Do you know that you are becoming someone? You are becoming someone, all of us are on a track to become someone. We're all being discipled. And the church is God's primary vehicle for discipling us towards Christ-likeness, but it's not the only vehicle that's discipling you. It's not the only thing that's shaping your life and my life. Cape Town's culture is a massive force discipling us. It's discipling us and it's discipling our children every single day, daily telling us what we should do, how we should dress, what car we should drive, how we should do our hair, what house to buy, what we should believe, what things our children should be doing, what we should spend our money on, endlessly shaping, incessantly shaping you through, through billboards, through people, through media, through rhythms, through policies, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the culture of Cape Town, for lack of a better word, Cape Town, South Africa, Western, you know what I mean, but this culture is shaping your life and my life. And if I'm real honest with you as a pastor, I really struggle to, to, to answer this question. How do we make Christ a more powerful shaping force than the culture in which we're living in? in the lives of Christ followers, and it's becoming more and more difficult. I want us to watch a clip by one of the most famous pastors uh, in the world, one of the best pastors in the world. He's, he's famous for writing books, and because I think he's got the most incredible mustache I have ever seen. <laughs> this is Paul Tripp. We're going to watch for two minutes. Let's take a look here. What do you see as the biggest challenge facing the church today? If I were to think about what it is that is the biggest challenge to be a caring church, a church where you don't, it isn't a place to find ministry, but itself is an organic ministering community, is the insane busyness of Western culture. We are just, we just load our schedules too much. Uh, and what happens is we try to squeeze the mission of the church into what is an already too busy schedule. Your children don't have to be expert in four sports. They don't have to play three musical instruments. They don't need to start studying for the SAT scores at 11. We're crazy. Uh, maybe we need smaller houses and drive lesser cars. And I say to families all the time, you need to constantly ask the question, what set of values drives the schedule of our family? We're too busy. And we're too busy because we've bought the Western culture dream of what the good life is and what success looks like. 
and you can't squeeze the kingdom of God into that. That's a little kingdom stuff. And so you have to, you have to assess your values and say, we're just gonna, we're just gonna live in a different way. And in so doing, free ourselves in all kinds of ways to be much more a part of God's kingdom work. And I think we ought to hold that out for our people as leaders in the church all the time. Okay, firstly, that moustache, hey? Come on. But secondly, doesn't he make a lot of sense? David Foster Wallace, the author, was speaking at a graduation address that he was giving, and he tells a story. He says, uh, two young fish were swimming along one day, and they bumped into an older fish. And the older fish looked at the two young fish, and he said to them, how's the water today? And the two young fish sort of swam off, and a little bit confused, the one fish turned to the other fish and said, what on earth is water? What's the point? The point is that they were so used to it that it had become invisible to them. They were no longer aware of how it was shaping their lives and dictating the way they were living. They'd, its influence on their life was, was um, so much more powerful because they were unaware of its presence because they'd been in it for so long. It's all they knew. And I'm saying that uh, it feels like God is rousing us to the reality of our culture, the way it feels like, what, well, what, is, what do you mean our culture is shaping us? It's doing doing it incessantly every single day. It's shaping our lives. It's making us more busy uh, all the time. And it feels like as human beings, we've lost our way, that the world is sped up and it's getting faster and faster and we are being dragged along. If this sounds unfamiliar, just, rem- just remind yourself of what, it felt, what you felt like in November last year. And probably already for most of us, it feels like January's already come and swept you along with the speed of its current. And I think we are living faster than we were ever meant to go as human beings, and if we were really honest, we'd probably say for many of us, most of us, we're stressed, we're living with an underlying anxiety, there's a sense in which we're overwhelmed, we're busy, we are always on, we're never off, we're lonely, we're discontent, we're always searching, and there's a deep emptiness. In 2020, we need to learn how to live in Jesus' ways. It's into this culture. Jesus says these words in Matthew 11:28, And then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary with heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want to ask you at the start of this year, are you living under the light yoke of Christ or the overwhelming burden of our culture? Are you living under the light yoke of Christ or the overwhelming burden of our culture? Rigby said this to us at our staff time away this year. He said this. He said, it is impossible to live under the light yoke of Jesus in the 21st century. It is impossible to live under the light yoke of Jesus in the 21st century if you're going to live according to the rhythms and the pace of the 21st century. It just feels like we've got it we just got to put our, our awe into the water and just say, enough, enough with this hurry, enough with the speed, enough with our culture dictating to us all the things we have to do all the time that we cannot switch off, and to just say, no, th- there needs to be space and margin in my life to be able to respond to needs around me, to be able to just be in the presence of Jesus again, not with our brains on the next three things that have got to happen. 
to just recover something of Christ's rhythms for life. You see, we've all got visions for lots of things. As much as this is a vision sermon, we've got visions for all sorts of things. We've got a vision for our church to fill the city with a message, life, and fame of Jesus, to multiply Christ followers, congregations, compassion and justice, cultural renewal, and church strengthening. This is what we want to give to Cape Town. You've probably got a vision for your business if you're in business. Maybe you've got a vision for, for your family. Maybe you've got a vision for your children. Maybe you've got a vision for your life where you'd like to end up, how you'd like to retire. Maybe even some of us have got a vision for who you want around you and the kind of people you want to build towards so that they are with you in your season of retirement in life. But I wonder, and here's a question, do you have a vision for the kind of person that you're becoming? Do you have a vision for the kind of person you're becoming. We need this. Christ's vision for our lives is that we would be mature in Him. And 2020 is the year where we go deeper in discipleship as we start to become more like Christ. So how are we as a church intentionally building this into our calendar that it doesn't just remain as a value, but it becomes something we're actually living in? Let me tell you, number one, next week we launch our series through the book of Mark. We're taking 24 weeks this year to work work through the book of Mark. If you're new to the Bible, Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, the Gospels being the books that detail what Jesus said and how Jesus lived and what Jesus did, right? And, and we're going to take 24 weeks this year of Sundays to go through the first eight chapters of the book of Mark. Why the first eight chapters? Mark's such an interesting book. Um, it, it's 16 chapters long, of which the first eight chapters take three years. The last six chapters take eight days, right, as they focus in on Christ's life. And so the, the book breaks down so beautifully into do a study on who Jesus is, what Jesus said, and how Jesus lived. And we want to do that uh, by looking at the text as it is, but also by kind of trying to draw a track from there as to say, how do we learn to live in Jesus' ways? You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think lots of us pursue the life that Jesus gives. More of, some of us as well, many of us say, yeah, the truth of Jesus but how, much, how many of us really grapple with the ways Jesus lived and what it is to live as a human being? Because Jesus came to model that to us as well. And we want to mine this series for all it's worth. The Mark series. Number two, this life group campaign that Lauren said. Practice makes perfect progress. You're both right. In 2020, practice makes people. Practice makes people. Think about it. You are the culmination of your practices, the product of what you do, the things you do every day, every week, the things you do repeatedly, your daily and your weekly practices that shape your life. They shape who you are becoming. This book that Mike and Lauren held up, The Life You've Always Wanted, I mean, it's a very consumeristic title, and I'm sure maybe they sold lots by the title, but don't be fooled. It's not this consumeristic thing. It's a glorious book. What John Ortberg has done, he's taken Richard Foster's old book. I wish I had it here. My pages are all yellow. It's a copy from the 1970s called Celebration of Discipline. And what he does in this book is he takes the ancient spiritual disciplines that people have done through decades and centuries, disciplines for life, rules for life, so to speak. 
And he, and he speaks about them in a life-giving way that we can grapple with these spiritual disciplines that create space in our life for us to, to learn them, to put them in. And in, that, in the space of these disciplines, we, we interact with Jesus. We actually become like him, and he shapes our lives. Maybe you're wondering how it's gonna work. As Lauren said, take, a, take the book, read one chapter. If you're married, read it together, right? Maybe, maybe one of you reads it out loud, dudes. Put on a little bit of a sexy voice, right? <laughs> who knows? I'm just saying, who knows, eh? Anyway. Um, but the idea being, you read it on your own, right? You discuss it as a couple or you read it as an individual. But you underline stuff. You highlight stuff. What stands out to me? What if this grabs me of how I want to live, right? Then you carry that. So maybe that's Sunday night. You read it on your own. Uh, then, you, then, you, then you carry it, carry Then maybe your life group meets on Tuesday or Wednesday. You've been carrying it. Then you meet for life group. In our life group, we're going to have dinner. Having dinner together means we don't have to scramble before to, to all eat something. And we're going to slow down and over a meal, we're going to just simply Simply talk about what we underlined, what stood out to us, and how we want to incorporate that into our lives. And then we're going to pray for each other, and we're going to go home, and we're going to sleep well. Doesn't that sound good in such a hurried world? Why would we take this book from John Ortberg? Well, the bottom line is, in this day and age, we have access to the most incredible minds and communicators and researchers and writers. For me to come and try and reinvent some some wheel poorly is not going to touch the sides of what John Ortberg has done in that book. And so that's why we're doing it. And God in his providence has put it at like 65 bucks on Kindle for us. I mean, come on. For four months of resources that you can keep for the rest of your life, just let's make it happen. But maybe you would say to me, Luke, but I don't like to read. Oh, my friend. Can I very lovingly say, if that's you, lovingly suck it up, please. <laughs> I'm asking you to read for half an hour to 40 minutes a week, and it's going to change your life. It's like you don't have to like it, but you just have to do it because it's good for you, right? And you can even get the audio version, and then they read it to you. Come on, huh? Great. Okay, we're going deeper in discipleship. Uh, closer, just so you know, this is the longest point. The rest of them are a lot quicker. Okay, rest easy. Right, number one, we're going deeper in discipleship. Number two, we're going closer in community, right? Practices make people, we said, but community makes Christ-likeness. Community makes Christ-likeness. There is no discipleship without community. There is no discipleship without community. Spiritual growth is a team sport. Do you know that? Spiritual growth is a team sport. Christians grow together. You cannot be growing to be more like Christ if you're not becoming more loving, more serving, and caring to a few specific people. I say a few specific people because it's not just randomly splashed goodness all over the world. That's not how Jesus did it. He went deep with a few people and loved them well in community. That's what I want us to recover. Last year we spoke to this. If you missed that series, I'll give you a two-minute version of it. In an age of individual freedom, we've believed the lie of self-sufficiency, that everything I need to be happy and live a fulfilled life is within me. And if I can just remove all the physical and financial and time constraints, then I would be free to do what's ever in my heart. And as I follow my heart, then I would be happy and fulfilled. That is the great lie of our culture. It is a load of nonsense. But because of this lie, every year we pull back a little bit on our commitments. Because you can't be both free and do what's ever in your heart and still be committed to other things. 
They get in the way, you see. The problem, though, is that there's no true relationship without commitment and consistency. And so although we elevated freedom, we lost commitment, and with commitment, we lost relationship. And with relationship, we are learning how we've, we're discovering now painfully and depressingly how although we have unmatched freedom to do whatever we like, whenever we like, however we like, we're, lo- we're losing meaning in life. We're losing a real sense of purpose. As human beings, we've never been more lonely, more empty, despite all the freedom we have. Because human beings were created for community, we're in the image of a triune God who is one God, yes. We're monotheists. We believe in one God, but this God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a community of one. I know it's confusing, but what it means is it's inescapable. You are only being human when you are in community. And this lie that culture tells us, the lie of self-sufficiency, the lie of independence, it undermines your humanness, but it, nothing undermines spiritual growth like this lie as well. The, the lie that plays itself out in the church is, uh, all I need to become more like Jesus is just to read my Bible and then just let go and let God. That's not how it works. It's not how God has designed it. You can only become more like Christ if you're going closer in community. It is impossible to grow to Christ-likeness outside of being part of a regular, committed, consistent, oh, those are terrible words, eh? I can feel a shudder in the room as I say them. Committed, consistent community. You say, oh, but I want to grow like Jesus, but I don't want to commit to community. It's like saying, I really want a six-pack, but I really like to eat pies, (laughs) right? You can't have both. Uh, you can't have both. They lead, they lead you to becoming a different type of person. If you want to commit to becoming like Christ, you have to choose. And so it's community. It's why we're taking the, life, the book journey and putting it into life groups because spiritual growth is a team sport. We grow together. We need community. You need it. I need it. There are no exceptions to the rule. It's just because we're human and we're in the image of God. And so why? Because our goal is becoming like Christ, attaining maturity. We're going deeper in discipleship. We're going uh, closer into community. Does that make sense? I want you to think about this seriously. For those of us maybe who flirted with community a bit and stayed on the outside, this is the year to go deep. And why not try it out in this book journey by signing up? Okay, we're going, uh, we're going to keep marching on you quickly. Wider in diversity. I'm really going to call now. Wider in diversity. Friends, we live in one of the most segregated parts of one of the most segregated cities in the world. The hangover of our country's past still massively shapes our lives. Our peninsula is divided, but the Bible gives us a vision of, uh, in Revelation 21, Revelation 22, of what heaven looks like. It's the vision that should be the biggest vision in every Christ follower's life, bigger than any church's vision. It's the vision of where we're going ultimately in heaven. And it's this, of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue together in, in community with one another, worshiping Christ. This is where we are heading. And this has been a value for us as the church that we've carried in our hearts. We've aspired to it. We've prayed into it. But if we're honest, we've struggled to live in. But God is doing a new thing. 
right now, over there in our kids' meeting, in, over there in our Ignite, and even in our frequency meeting, God has brought this incredible wave of young people. There are young guys and girls who are climbing into, cramming into cars. Some of them like 12 people into a car at a time, people who are walking here from Massey, young men and women every week walking to this community to be part of what God is doing in our kids' Ignite and teenage ministries. We've prayed for this for so long, and now it's beginning to happen. And so I want to encourage you. We, God has initiated this thing, but it's on us as a community to steward it. We are trusting that we would be a people who are shaped less by the architecture of apartheid, and more by the architecture of the future that we are coming to as heaven. And God is doing that. So let's open our hearts. Let's see how we can be a part of what God is doing. Does that make sense? Great. Oh, I'm sorry I have to leave out what I wanted to say there. More hungry, but I'm not going to hurry. More hungry for the Holy Spirit. More hungry for the Holy Spirit. A healthy, biblical, New Testament church living in the fullness of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. John 14, Jesus giving his disciples final instructions before those last eight days, so to speak, of his life. This is what he said. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, capital A, member of the Trinity here, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. You want to grow into Christ-likeness. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. Just to locate ourselves quickly in the great plan of God, God's great salvation plan, creation. And then came the fall where sin entered the world through human beings and forever came through the lineage of every human being marred by sin. And not just human beings, but all of creation as sin began infecting the whole of the cosmos. Sin enters. Creation, the fall. Then God's salvation plan uh, comes through Israel and the anticipation of a coming Christ. The anticipation, there will come someone who will fix this mess. We're waiting for him. We're trusting. Then, Then the first coming of Jesus. Jesus comes and he begins a work. And then, then, then we have the age of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the church who continues the work of Christ and ultimately landing in the second coming of Jesus when the whole world is put to right. You and I are living in the moment in, in history of the age of the Spirit and the church. We need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, coaching us on and ministering through us and in us, shaping us to be a particular kind of person and empowering ministry and mission in the world. We could never do ministry and mission without the Holy Spirit. And so we're trusting uh, that this would become a hunger for us. It's one thing to believe something, right? But it's, you know, as well as I do, we can all believe the same thing and do nothing about it. It's another thing altogether to believe something and to be hungry for the Spirit of God to grab a hold of our hearts and release a ministry through us into the world. And so as a church in 2020, let's be hungry for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and through our lives. On Wednesday night, Lex Lazardis is one of the, I mean, someone I look up to so much. If I'm honest with you, whilst I really believe God's prompting us in this direction, it's probably the one where I feel personally like, I'm the least equipped to lead this journey in. 
I'm so grateful, though, that we are part of a network of churches, a wider family of churches, where there are outstanding men and women who are stronger in areas where we're weak. And so we've invited Lex and a team from the Inner City Jubilee Congregation to come in and to pray for us and to coach us and to release something of God into us as a people. Don't miss this Wednesday night. We've held off our life group journeys for this week so we can be here to catch the most of what God wants to do. Does that make sense? Last one more serving of our surroundings. In 2020, we're gonna serve our suburbs more than ever. Last week, we, learned, we launched Celebrate Recovery. What is Celebrate Recovery all about? Well, I could try to tell you, but Celebrate Recovery will do a much better job telling you about Celebrate Recovery than I could. Let's check this out together. This is Johnny Baker from Celebrate Recovery. We often talk about Celebrate Recovery being for anybody who struggles with a hurt, hang up or have it. So whether you're somebody who was hurt as a child and you're still dealing with those issues or you've got people pleasing hang ups and things that keep you stuck in relationships or you're addicted to something, food, sex, alcohol, whatever it is, that Celebrate Recovery is really for anybody. In fact, that's the truth. Celebrate Recovery is for all of us because we've all been hurt and we've all hurt other people. We've all got things in our lives that keep us stuck and keep us frozen, things we wish we didn't deal with. And for many of us, we have these addiction issues that also just rob us of any joy or peace that we have in our life. The thing about Celebrate Recovery is that it's a biblical program and it's got eight principles that lead us from one place to the next place over one day at a time after one day at a time. So we begin where we realize that we're not God. We come out of denial. We face our fears. We face the problems that have keeping us stuck. We turn our lives over to Jesus. We do things like taking a moral inventory of our lives and we look at all the things that we've done have been done to us to help us come out of that. We talk to other people about what's happening. Then at the end, we serve other people because we believe that God uses our pain so that we can help other people when they go through pain. And so what we really wanna do is just tell you about this ministry, this place where you can come and you can find healing no matter what's going on in your life. We have some people that have gone through Celebrate Recovery for years that have dealt with issues like anxiety and they wake up every morning in a cold sweat and they just look at their day and they think, how am I gonna get through today? By working the principles and steps of recovery, they're able to find day by day freedom over that issue. We have other people who are severely depressed and they also need to find a way out. There's people like me who struggle with anxiety and am a recovering alcoholic. And I know that when I'm hurting, I medicate. Now, I haven't medicated with alcohol for over a decade, but I can find anything, whether it's working out or whether it's, you know, spending money or anything, just give it to me and I will overdo it. And so we find that we've got these issues and what we need to do is we come clean about it. We talk to each other about it. We talk to God about it. We allow him to work in our lives and to find the thing that's really causing us pain. You know, the reality of it is, is that whatever we're doing tends to be a symptom. We think I need to come to recovery because I drink too much or I'm online too much or I spend too much money. And while that's true, we need to get out that simple behavior. We need to root it out. The truth is, is that often the reason we're doing those things are buried deeper inside of us. And so that's what recovery allows us to do. It allows us to find that, that pain that's in our lives, that's keeping us frozen, keeping us stuck. Brilliant. I mean, that, if, if there was an oppressive beard award, um, this is what Celebrate Recovery is, I mean, is all about. Where does our community go when the dangers and the pains and the hurts and the hang-ups of life happen? Because they do. 
Well, now our community, our surroundings have got a place to go. And we as a church are putting up our hand to volunteer to say, we will stand in the gap and create a safe place for people to find healing and wholeness in Christ. It's glorious. More serving of our surroundings. We're continuing this year in seeing TZN. Uh, sorry, sorry, let me just say, on your, on, if you want to know more about Celebrate Recovery, I'm not going to hurry. Um, this is a big thing that God's coaching my heart in. Um, yeah, celebrate recovery. There's all the info. Grab a hold of it. Um, invite someone. Take a photograph of it with your phone. So wherever you go in the next year and you bump into someone who could use help, just you can send them a picture of that message and help is just, just around the corner. Here, across the road from Checkers in Nurtuk. We're hiring a venue to do that. We're deploying volunteers to Kleinbach Primary School, coaching grade twos on how to read. I mean, imagine the grade two who's struggling to read and falling behind. You know everything in our education system works by reading. You learn by reading. If you don't pick that thing up, you stall. You never get to catch up. And, and volunteers in this community are stepping up to say, cool, I'll coach someone to read this year. And, and, and these young people are catching up. And because of that, they're getting swept along again with the currents of education rather than being left behind. So there's Kleinbach. There's in. It's our job readiness program. Pray for us there. We're, we're, there's a bit of opposition, but we're going to push through and we're going to see these courses run again in and through us. For the first time ever, we're running our own Common Ground South Peninsula Holiday Club in the next school holidays, uh, March and April. I mean, it's amazing. All of these opportunities are not inward-facing. We love inward-facing volunteers. Hey, you guys in the band, you led us amazingly. Uh, kids rock, amazing. Uh, coffee, all of the, inward, we love that. But everyone I've just mentioned is an opportunity for members in our church to volunteer in a way that faces outwards to bless our community. We're going in 2020 deeper in discipleship, closer in community, wider in diversity. We're coming uh, hungrier for the Holy Spirit, and we are more serving of our surroundings than ever before. But look at that list and tell me, is that not a unique kind of human being where we live? We're becoming a particular type of person that looks different. In a world that is becoming self-obsessed, we're becoming Christ-obsessed, and we're being deployed into our world as a different kind of person. I want to move us to the communion table now as we land, but I want to say a vision for your life. Who are you becoming? Do you have a vision for who you're becoming this year, in 2020, we have built our calendar and our, our big suitcases around these five things that we believe will lead us to becoming more like Christ in a world that is assaulting us with busyness, distracting us from becoming like Christ. We're saying, no ways. We're going to become like Jesus. Let me, that's enough. Can I ask that, uh, just if you're near the table at the back or near there, would you mind uh, picking up one of the, the plates and, uh, and just sending around? I'd love for us to share communion together. So if everyone could just take one of the, um, the, little, the little glasses of grape juice and one of the pieces of bread, and wait, we're going to share community together as a church, communion. So if you can just pass around, take and pass on, that's what I'm saying. Get the band up. Where would I be here? Just want to be on stage, yeah? Just want to be on stage. <laughs> David Brooks, 
David Brooks, I said it a few times last year and I will say it again many times this year. David Brooks said, my theory of how society changes is that a few, a few people, a group of people, find a better way to live and the rest of us copy them. In 2020, I'm asking you to sign up to be part of that group of people who find a better way to live in this world in the hope that as messengers of this way, the rest of the peninsula would learn to follow as well. Would you be a part of that? As soon as you've got uh, bread and uh, grape juice, would you stand with me together?